Welcome back to MLEX's weekly podcast covering the big picture regulatory issues from around the world. My name is James Paniki and it's great to be with you again. This week we're taking a break from the daily grind of developing stories to look at a broader issue that's reverberating in the US and that is the representation or rather the under-representation of African Americans in the two federal departments that deal with antitrust matters. According to a report by our colleague Curtis Eichelberger, only 2.85% of the lawyers in the Department of Justice's Antitrust Division are African-American, and only 4.1% of the lawyers at the Federal Trade Commission's Bureau of Competition are indeed African-American. Now, that underrepresentation is significant, and it's one that has sparked some discussion in the antitrust community in Washington, D.C., in the wake of Curtis's story. We've published that story on the MLEX website at the usual address, mlexmarketinsight.com. But Curtis Heichelberger, in fact, wrote the piece for our sister publication, FTC Watch. Curtis covers mergers and acquisitions for MLEX, and I'm very happy to say that he joins me now. Okay, Curtis, those are uh, startling statistics there, and that's the rank and file of those departments. What is the representation of African Americans in the most senior positions of those departments? Well, James, it's not that much better. Uh, In the entirety of U.S. history, there has been just one black assistant attorney general who oversees the antitrust division, and that was Charles James who served as acting under George H. Walker Bush in 92, and then his son, again in 2001, uh, for a year, 2001 to 2002. And uh, there have only been two deputies as well. So it's, it's not a great record. Over at the FTC, there's never been an African-American who's been chair of the FTC commission, and there's only been three commissioners. So it's not a good record. Now, uh, clearly, these are troubling statistics. So who's to blame for these numbers? Well, at the senior level, the blame lies with the White House. Uh, These positions are political hires. The assistant attorney general is nominated by the president and confirmed by the Senate. Uh, The DAGs, the the, uh, deputy assistants, they're nominated by the president, but they don't have to go through Senate confirmation. And each of the five FTC commissioners, including the chair, they're all nominated by the president and confirmed by the Senate. So at the highest level, it comes down to the president, and President Biden is going through that process now. You know, it's worth noting probably that there are still opportunities for the chair of the commission and the AAG over at the division to work people into the pipeline at the middle management level. And to be fair, Macon Delrahim, the Republican AAG that just stepped down, He did a decent job at promoting some African-Americans into mid-level management positions that kind of stoked the pipeline a bit. But at the senior positions, we're going to rely on President Biden and the Senate. And then uh, some people are hoping that uh, the next AAG and the next chair will will follow making steps and and push people a little bit more into the mid-level ranks. Okay, so what's been done to address the underrepresentation of minorities in these uh, government departments, and what uh, responsibility do institutions have in this? Well, we've seen some recognition from people in power at this point. We were at a schedule hearing uh, in the Visa Plaid uh, trial, which uh, that got resolved. But back in December, uh, the judge said he hoped that less senior counsel or associates would get an opportunity to argue before his court. And that's always nice. And he specifically mentioned people of color if they were available. 
So that's, you know, you, you're starting to see a little bit of that with the courts. Uh, but more broadly, and this is for both government and private practice, uh, managers got to ask themselves, you know, who's getting in front of the corporate general counsel? Who's being you know, picked to take on leadership roles? Who's engaging with the front office or examining witnesses at trial? And there are some specific things uh, like, uh, you know, the DOJ offers a, a very hands-on summer internship program, but the pay pales compared to law firms. And that can be really prohibitive uh, for disadvantaged black law students. So in that sense, stipends could be made more competitive with, you know, private firms. And that would be for all students, uh, you know, for all races. But it would be a, a, a make a bigger difference for African-Americans. But then, you know, if you even go down a little bit further, you know, high schools and colleges need to encourage students to pursue, uh, pursue economics and show them the possibilities in the field. Same with the law schools. So it's really all the way through the system. Somebody had said to me, we would ran this, the first part of the story already, the second part to the series is running February the 2nd uh, on FTC Watch. But one of the people I talked to for that story said, uh, you know, we need to have a proof of concept. We need to see African-Americans in management positions so that we have this proof of concept that there's a path to success for you. And I thought that was, I thought that was uh, important. Assuming that the push to get more African-Americans involved in leadership positions is uh, indeed successful, how might that change how we view an antitrust case in the U.S.? So that's a good question. In theory, it wouldn't, right? This is an issue of fairness that we're talking about, of equality, especially among a population that's been historically held back and limited in their promotions and opportunities. And of course, you know, we operate under the rule of law, regardless of race or political party. But let's look at relevant markets for a second. And let's imagine we have an African-American that's AAG, it's leading the antitrust division uh, at the Department of Justice or the chair of the FTC. How could they change things, make, it, make diversity pay off for consumers? So let's say we're looking at a product, there's, there's a merger going on, and the geographic market is Washington, D.C. And the product market is hair straighteners, which some African-Americans use to take the kink out of their naturally curly hair. So it's not really a white product. So prices for Washington, Washingtonians might not jump overall, or if they do, perhaps by a small amount, that's offset by efficiencies. But if you reanalyze the market, with a focus on race as a factor, the largely black, fairly poor northeast section of town could be harmed well beyond what D.C. in general is harmed. And perhaps a leadership which recognizes these differences because of their own life experience would ask for demographic data and would use that to identify harms otherwise unseen by people who might not think about that or, or see that. It's, it's the benefit of diversity. It's why you know, corporations around America, it's why government institutions uh, it's why academics are saying we should be aware of diversity on our boards and in our government because there are some benefits to it. There are, there are life experiences and viewpoints that we don't have without it. Now, some argue that it would be okay to consider, in that instance, income as a factor, but not race. And they argue that using income as a measure would be a proxy for race because it would capture many African Americans. So you can see there's a lot of points here for debate. Acting FTC Chair Rebecca Slaughter, who's a was in the commission the last several years and now is filling in until uh, President Biden names somebody the chair. She was speaking at a New York State Bar Association panel on Monday, and she said the agency needs more data collection to consider these kinds of factors and said she'd be open to hearing greater arguments about gathering more data and looking at, at things from a different perspective. And then she also called the percentages of African-American lawyers at the agencies appalling. And so the government needed to take action to address the inequalities. Well, 
James, people have said that in the past, and I think the bottom line is we'll have to see all, how all this plays out in the coming months. Could there ultimately be some pushback against these ideas from the antitrust establishment in the US? I mean, I'm I'm thinking we've all heard uh, the debate about hipster antitrust and the push to address social concerns through antitrust law. That has prompted a fair amount of pushback. Could the legal establishment see this debate about representation uh, in the same light as that? I think that there is a push in this country dating well before the election, but you saw the uprisings with Black Lives Matter. You saw the uh, killing of African-Americans by police. There's actually a, a movement that seems more this time than in previous time to have some legs. And it's, uh, it's not, certainly not popular to take a stand against diversity. And I think this is different from saying we want to look at jobs and labor or we want to look at select groups uh, this is about representation. This is about adding more voices to the to the table. So I think you would get support in having greater diversity amongst the commission or amongst DAGs or the AAG uh, within the within the antitrust agencies. I think the conversation where you get put where you would get pushback might be on, uh, like you said, the hipster antitrust, looking at antitrust itself differently, kind of stretching the laws. At the end of the day. Whether you're, you're black or you're white, you're Democrat or you're Republican, we are still a society that follows the rule of law. And so to change these things, we need to change the law. And we've seen bipartisan efforts in Congress and discussion in Congress to do that. How far? Yeah, there's always going to be a clash between Democrat and Republican, conservative and liberal. That's going to happen no matter. But there does seem a movement that's been you know, pushing for some changes to the antitrust laws. And I think you're going to see more of an interest in, in pulling up uh, bright African-Americans into these spots. And, and keep in mind, at the highest level, it's the president who makes that decision. He nominates. So that comes back on Biden, who says this is a priority. And at the lower levels, and it's your seniors, pulling people up in the mid-level positions so that when openings come up, they've got the experience, they've got uh, the contacts, they've been there, they've seen it, they've been to court. And I think, I I really do think that there's something here that's going to happen. Curtis, this is clearly a very important story for the American antitrust community. So thank you very much for writing it. And thanks for uh, speaking to me today. Thank you, James. Curtis Eichelberger covers M&A for MLEX. His story for MLEX's FTC watch is titled For Black Antitrust Lawyers, Top DOJ FTC Posts Remain Elusive. And you can find it at our website, mlexmarketinsight.com. That's M-L-E-X marketinsight.com and head straight for the Insight Center tab. Don't forget that you can subscribe to MLEX Podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud and Stitcher. If you can, please leave a review. It helps us spread the word about our reporting. My name is James Paniki. I'm MLEX's Asia-Pacific Senior Editor. Thank you so much for your company today. We'll be back in your feed next Friday at more or less the same time. I hope you can join me then. Bye for now. <music>